From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the End Report Husker Show. I'm Bill Rentschler, joined as always alongside uh, Sports Director Kevin Suits. Recording on a Monday this week. Schedules kind of pushed us back a little bit, but again... Uh, like last week, kind of have some good things to talk about. It was another good weekend for Husker Athletics. Football beats Purdue 5-3 and three now, one win away from bowl eligibility, and the Husker volleyball team swept their way through the weekend. Kevin, how are you doing? Are you going to stop there? I, I'm sure there's more. Nebraska women's basketball opens mm-hmm. up the uh, preseason with an exhibition win. Nebraska men's basketball hosts Doan in an exhibition game. They won mm-hmm. in Nebraska soccer. Played a home match for the Big Ten tournament, and they won three to two. They're on to the conference semifinals. So Nebraska goes five and zero at home. All those games yeah. and matches, uh, I should say six and zero because volleyball played, played Friday twice. and Saturday. So it was a very successful weekend of Nebraska athletics, and most of those outside. <laughs> yeah, in the uh, chilly, chilly temperatures, only volleyball again. Thankfully, playing indoors in the Bob. Uh, so yeah, it, it really was. Basketball is also indoors, Bill. Well, I suppose that's true. I guess that's true. But you can play basketball outside. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, two good weekends in a row. Um, again, I kind of want to dive into to Purdue first before we kind of get into what we heard from Matt Rule today. What was your takes on the Purdue game? It kind of went from. Really fun and really good. They're up twenty-four nothing, and you know you can kind of deal with some of the fumbles. But then all of a sudden, in a span of about five minutes, I think a lot of Husker fans were in shock as Purdue rattled off fourteen pretty quick points. I was surprised that Purdue played as poorly as it did coming off a bye week. If you want my honest opinion, um, it wasn't near as close as I I expected the game to be. But a lot of the credit goes to. Uh, Nebraska coming up with a special teams touchdown. Special teams was a very interesting evaluation because uh, you had a fumbled punt. You had a fumbled kickoff return. But also you had a career-long field goal from Tristan Alvano, and you had a blocked field goal that was run in for a touchdown by Quentin Newsom, who, oh, by the way, is the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. But Nebraska overall... uh, was better than Purdue. Mm. They played well enough to win. I thought the crowd seemed pretty charged up and loud for a late October game where it was pretty cold on the field. Uh, so, yeah, it was. and there's only a couple more home games. So mm-hmm. it was good to see the crowd uh, really get riled up for the Boilermakers in town. And uh, Nebraska did what they needed to do, 5-3, and three, a win on Saturday, would make them bowl eligible for the first time since, what, 2016? 2016. First three-game winning streak since 2016 with the win on Saturday and, again, searching for a bowl game for the first time and since even, 2016 as well. Even furthermore, with Nebraska's result, the win on Saturday and Wisconsin losing to Ohio State, which was assumed, there is now a four-way tie atop the division. It's between... Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Minnesota. And of the teams I just listed, two of them remain on the Husker schedule. So we're in that control-your-own-fate territory. I know Minnesota is the one team that Nebraska has played already in the tough loss up in Minneapolis to start the season. Uh, But the Big Ten race... Well, the Big Ten West race is going to get fairly interesting here down the stretch. Now, I know you you would want to win the Big Ten West, but if you win the Big Ten West, that means you're going up against Michigan again. 
So? Is that a date you, you want again? To play in Indianapolis? Absolutely. Absolutely. It would not matter if you're playing against the 1985 Chicago Bears. You play that game. Mm. You get in there. Because you you think about what that means. Mm-hmm. Foundationally, recruiting-wise. Um, and just from a fan standpoint, I think that's a result, no matter what would happen in the Big Ten Championship, you'd throw it out. You'd throw it away. Yeah. And you'd say winning the West was a pretty big deal, especially knowing Nebraska is likely going to have to beat Wisconsin and or Iowa. They could still get into the conference championship game by winning one of those two. Mm-hmm. And Iowa has a pretty soft schedule down the stretch. Um so here we are. We're, we're pivoting into November, and we're not just talking about Nebraska qualifying for a bowl game, which was one of the expectations or hopes mm-hmm. for year one under Matt Rule. We've taken it a step further because Nebraska has won three in a row, five of its last six, and they're right in the thick of the Big Ten West. Yeah, if you would have said that at the beginning of the year, if you would have said that after the first two weeks, I would have been like, yeah. I'm not sure about that. It has been impressive, uh, this turnaround over the last seven weeks with with the bye week included. Uh, And again, their defense continues to be their 13th nationally, total total defense. I think fourth nationally in rush defense. So again, you're almost dead last in turnover margin. You are dead last in the amount of fumbles that you just had and that you've given away. And despite all that, again, the defense is certainly carrying the team. The special teams is doing enough. And again, Heinrich Harburg and the offense, and the and the again we've said it multiple times, the mash unit, uh, that is that side of the ball is does enough. Well, that's another incredible part of Nebraska's five and three start here, is that it it's the players that are on the field that continues to evolve. They haven't taken a step backward with Gabe Irvin out for the year, Ramir Johnson out for the year. Um, Billy Kemp, his injury right now. The the guys that are out up front offensively. So that's pretty remarkable. And that's not something you should just start to just accept. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then think that there's going to be a – naturally, you would think there's a drop-off. But Nebraska has had guys that have stepped up and helped fill in the gap. And uh, these coaches have said that the, the platoon practices that they have done going back to the preseason, it's really paying dividends right now. That is, they will make sure that – Scout teamers and guys that are further down on the depth chart, they don't just stand on the sidelines during practice. They have essentially their own practice happening concurrently as Nebraska's top unit. And you were just mentioning some of the numbers, Bill. Matt Rule said when he was hired to win at Nebraska, he wants to run the ball and stop the run. Right now, Nebraska is first in the Big Ten in running the football at 190 yards per game. And in terms of stopping the run, they are second in the Big Ten. They're allowing only 79 yards on the ground per game. So he's doing exactly what they need to What The Huskers are doing exactly what Matt Rule wants to have happen, and it is paying off in the win-loss column. And, and it's something to also acknowledge that not only did Matt Rule have a formula, we are going to do this, but the formula so far has been spot on with helping Nebraska get back on track. And the int- interesting stat that Rule threw out today is, is again, obviously the, the team runs the ball well, passing maybe not quite as well, but they're actually third in the Big Ten in yards per completion at 12.6. I checked him on it. As soon as he said, I went and I looked it up, and he was right. It's they're like, 
top fifty nationally, uh, but third in the Big Ten. So well, they don't need throw more of those belly option G. Option just going to say, it helps when you don't throw it a ton. Mm-hmm. And then when you have back-to-back games with a 65-plus yard touchdown pass, that really helps your <laughs> yards per completion. It does. And who have those two big passes gone to? Those freshman wideouts. Malachi Coleman, Jalen Lloyd. Mm-hmm. On Monday's news conference with Matt Rule, I really loved the fact that he shared the story about Jalen Lloyd going to his wife at a dinner on Thursday, and he told Matt Rule's wife, I'm going to score twice on Saturday. <laughs> you know he had one catch when one, he made that comment? Yeah. That's a confident kid right there. Yeah, I know. And one more catch on Saturday for 73 yards. No, he didn't get his two touchdowns, but he got one. He was wide open. There wasn't a guy within 20 yards of him. And if you go back and you watch, I mean, the TV broadcast, or I'm sure the highlights that you guys shot, you can hear the crowd because they see how wide open he is. And then with how windy it was, I mean, Rule even said he was a little worried that he was going to overthrow him. But he's so fast that... Just ran, ran right underneath it. It was a perfect ball. Matt Rule said during the news conference that he wanted to run that play in the first quarter. And they thought they kind of had it all in line with the right look and facing the right defense. And they felt confident in the play. But they didn't want to run the risk of running it in the first quarter as opposed to the second because of the wind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was on KLIN last Friday with uh, Jack Mitchell and Caleb Henry and Mike Schaefer comes in. We do uh, the Friday Husker tailgate. And Mike and I, who attend games regularly as part of the Nebraska media, we were trying to explain to the other guys, like, that wind is no joke. When you're on the field, like, you don't notice it on TV. Uh, and even sometimes when you're in the stands, you don't quite – you know it's windy, but you don't understand how the wind can play tricks with the ball. When you're watching on TV, you just see the flags whipping. Mm-hmm. And you know, oh, yeah, it's windy. No, when you're on the field – and that's why pregame, pregame is so important for the specialists. They love to get out there first, which they do, and it's not just because punters and kickers are a little bit different. <laughs> it's because they want to get some kicks up, and they have that space to do it to really evaluate the wind. They'll kick from the right hash. They'll kick from the left hash. They'll back it up. They want to see, like, how's the ball carrying? Is it pushing left to right? All the variables. And so to have the smarts to know, like, we can't force this play in quarter one because of the wind. We're going to hold on to it, or we're going to run it second quarter. I mean, that was pretty brilliant by this coaching staff. Yeah. And Marcus Satterfield, by the way, was up in the box this week. And I would guess that he'll probably be up there this week, if not for the remainder of the season. I thought, I mean. I thought he called a very good game. I thought so, too. Again, you could see kind of the change after the first or second drive. They started going more towards the edges. You know, a lot of plays with uh, with uh, Josh Fleeks attacking the edges and Emmett Johnson. Who, Emmett Johnson, again, you talk about players stepping up. I mean, Emmett Johnson is, is, is your First string running back now. And, again, he, he played, I thought, a great game uh, on Saturday, especially with the blitz pickup uh, again against, I, I don't know their names. It's five and four. I never want to see them again from Purdue because those, those guys hit hard. They hit hard, and they hit Heinrich hard. Yes, they did. Uh, oh, and Matt man. Rule said, yeah, he's a little banged up right now. Heinrich is. Yeah. But kind of goes with being the quarterback at Nebraska. Those are Matt Rule's quote, uh, mm-hmm. his words from – um, his interview following the Purdue game. Uh, that, that is, if you're looking for one thing to be concerned about, it is the durability of Heinrich. And he's, he's tough. He is tough. And he's willing to take on those hits. But you wonder how many more of those big ones can he take. And also what makes it so concerning is we have another example now 
if it's not Heinrich in the game, who is it? It's Jeff Sims, and what does it look like with Jeff Sims on the field? And it did not go well on Saturday. No. And, you know, it kind of gave you flashbacks to Minnesota and Colorado with ball security issues with Jeff Sims. Matt Rule stays confident with him, but as a fan, if you're watching both of these quarterbacks and knowing what that they what they bring to the table and what they put on the grass and on film here uh, so far this season, th- there's a pretty glaring – Drop. Can we call it a drop? Yeah, there's a drop uh, off yeah. there. I mean, Rule tried to take. Rule tries to take the blame for some of those issues. The fumbles but, are on me. Yeah, but you know, you know, Rule can coach him as much as he wants, but he's not the one taking the snaps and and playing the plays. That's just Matt Rule protecting his players. Yeah, he absolutely. doesn't want to call players out. No. We've seen some coaches that have. Uh, really done that this year. And you can see how it divides the locker room and it creates a very toxic environment at some of these other universities. Pittsburgh, you know, if you're not privy to what I'm talking about, go just do a quick search of Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh. And right now it's it's not healthy inside that locker room. And part of that is based on the message the coach is giving out to the public and it gets, and it gets back inside. Um, so Matt Rule is, is saying that, not just to support Jeff Sims and have his back, but also just to try to keep some peace there. And, you know, maybe Matt Rule does feel like that they could do some things differently to help emphasize ball security in practice. But I really got to believe that they've addressed it enough at this point in the season that some of the onus has to go from the coach to the player. Mm. But ultimately the coach saying that is just to not tear down his guy. He knows. Jeff Sims is one play away from having to run that offense. Yeah, yeah. And you would think with, you know, all the fumbles they've had this year, it's obviously, like you said, it's been addressed. If It's almost just like a mental a bugaboo that it's just kind of infected that side of the, the, the team. They're, they're trying so hard not to fumble. It's like when I'm on the golf course and I try really hard not to slice, the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to slice. So... Five fumbles in that game, they lost four of them. It's because the strongest muscle in your body is your brain, right? That's right. Well, for most people, I don't know about me. But uh, <laughs> well, um, on the topic of fumbles, we did learn on Monday about five pointing the ball, mm-hmm. the X that you uh, see when they cross the goal line. Yeah. So now we have, you know, we've talked about this on the show before about how Heinrich Harburg, despite some of those long touchdown runs and nobody around him, he will put his left arm over the ball. And we're like, oh, that was kind of cool. But no, it's being coached right now. Mm-hmm. It is being taught right now. And we'll, we're seeing that it's not just Heinrich. It's some of these other guys that as they are crossing the goal line. Jalen Lloyd did it. They are putting their opposite arm and hand of the ball and covering it as they cross the goal line. It's the fifth point of contact. Fifth, and they called it the X, the, X. the X spot, something like that. Yeah. It all traces back to Christian McCaffrey. He's somebody that does it in the NFL. Matt Rule says, you know, if Christian does it as good as he is, we should all be doing it. Yeah. So they've taught their players to do it. And um, the one person who didn't do it was Quentin Newsom. No, and he it was high fiving. Like he, he got a little bit in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> Have you ever seen another player high five another player during a touchdown run? No, but we've seen some crazy things, though. This is college football, Bill. We, this is true. We've seen pe- players drop the ball before they we've cross the goal. We've seen flips. We've seen yes. premature celebrations. Uh, yeah, the high five. And then even high school-wise, uh, Caleb Benning at Omaha Westside, he had one. It was a punt return uh, a few weeks ago where it was a similar situation to Quentin Newsom, But instead of him taking the ball in, Caleb Benning handed the ball to a teammate because – 
he was yelling for it behind him. And he handed him the ball. The clip has gone viral. It's amazing. Um, I know some of the media folks in Omaha have the video. It, it's it's so great. He handed it to a – it became a big yeah. man touchdown. It yeah. could have been a walk-in punt return TD for, you know, one of the better players in the state. Yeah. Uh, the, the opposite of that is Quentin Newsom <laughs> taking it, high-five, and having a good time. But you know what? Seeing that, that I'm not going to be critical of that. It's no. just good to see – those dudes having some fun and having some success again because yeah. we haven't been able to talk about things like this in a while. Bill. That's right. And again, that other dude was Tommy Hill, and that's one of the other guys that I wanted to bring up. He had two interceptions in this game. He had one last week, and I mean, he almost had another one last week. This was a guy Georgia Southern last year, worst loss in in Memorial. He, he was benched, and I'd say he's one of the best players on the team right now. Like the turnaround he has had. This coaching staff has loved him. Oh, yeah. And they've wanted to find a way to get Tommy Hill on the football field. And that goes to tell you that during practice, he's he's a practice guy. He's a guy that must really show out. And they see things Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that really impressed them about Tommy Hill. So this coaching staff, you know, they, they had him play some offense. They've had him play some defense. And now they've transitioned so he's solely on defense again. But they had him get some reps uh, at wide receiver. He's also been back on special teams as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Tommy Hill, not only two picks against Purdue, he also had an interception the previous week against Northwestern. That's three interceptions over the past two games. So he's definitely um, emerged and created some separation in terms of what he can produce on the field from the defensive back spot. I still contend that I think that's one of the better units on the entire team. Uh, and Tommy Hill's emergence only helps it because you have Hartzog and Quinton Newsom on the edges. And Newsom, I think, is having an all-Big Ten caliber season. And now we have uh, Tommy Hill coming up big on the backside. Also, Omar Brown sounds like he might not play. He's in concussion protocol right mm-hmm. now. Uh, but Omar Brown's having a fine season as well. And to add to that group, we might get Mark, uh, Mark, Marquise, Buford. Marquise Buford back this week. It's kind of up Probably in the air. Probably not this week. If, uh, if I'm reading between the lines, I, I think we'll see Marquise back on the field. I, I, I wouldn't think it's this week. Maybe, Maybe later in one. November. Um, but the name we didn't mention was Phelan Sanford. Mm-hmm. You know, the pride of Binkleman, Nebraska. Nebraska. Dundee played County. A, played a eight-man football back in the day, and now he's – uh, having a really nice season for the Huskers. He is. He's playing really well. So even if you did get uh, Buford back, I mean, the, the oh, lineup. They'll play. they'll play. I mean, with the lineup you have now, is 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 playing pretty good. Keese is pretty good. Yeah, he is. He is. He was injured last year in the Wisconsin game, I believe. So he's working his way back from a knee injury, um, and so he will hopefully have a couple games here, be able to keep his red shirt, uh, and return full, fully healthy again. Obviously next year. Um, so. The, the one thing, the, the one big thing I took away from Rule today, just to touch quickly on what kind of he said, he kind of poured some cold water on the kind of the defensive performance against Purdue. I think, you know, a lot of Husker fans, myself included, sitting there 24 nothing. Defense is playing really well at the end of the game, less than 100 yards rushing, less than 100 yards passing. And Matt Rule is kind of like, yeah, we didn't really play that well. And the players say that too. All right. So Matt Rule assumes that his players watch and see. Uh, or watch and hear everything that he says at the podium, right? Because he's mentioned this as well. So I always wonder when I hear things like that, you know, is is Matt Rule just playing the game again here? Like he's saying some things to try to keep these defensive players uh, motivated, Mm -hmm. maybe get under their skin a little bit, fire Mm -hmm. them up. I mean, defensively, they gave up just one touchdown. Yep. The other touchdown, you know, the offense was on the field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
Does Matt Rule truly feel the way he talked about regarding the defense, or is this just another little uh, avenue that he's going to pursue just to try to keep these guys seeking improvement, stay locked in, stay focused, and stay hungry? Because right now, this defense, by far the strength of the team, playing so well. But he said they didn't tackle well. That surprised mm-hmm. me. I thought that they tackled pretty well against uh, Purdue. They've been tackling well all year. Wasn't their best game in terms of bringing it out, down the defender. But we did see Devin Mockaby shed a few tackles. Uh, he's a big guy, though. I mean, he's big, he's, big he's our guy to bring down. Right. So, uh, and I think, you know, one for eight in the second half on third down. And I, I thought their defense played great. But he also said the same thing in their losses. Hey, you know, it's not as bad as it. There were some good things that happened, so this is the other side to that to that coin. So, Michigan State this weekend, Saturday, 11 a.m. kick, FS1. Kevin, do, do we have our, our, our play-by-play and color guy over there? Ooh, let me look that up. I, I, I'm sad to tell you, honestly, that I have not haven't, looked up haven't checked who the it yet. broadcast team is. Well, while you're looking that up, I will tell you that Nebraska is favored by three, uh, three-point spread. Oh, baby. And over-unders at 34.5, which is low. Uh, but not as low as I think it's Iowa and Northwestern, which has a historically the lowest over under I think ever at twenty nine and a half. That's a crazy <laughs> over under number, by the way. The O baby I just uh, you know shared. Tim Brando is going to be on the call. The Golden Pipes of Tim yes. Brando on FS1. Uh, he'll do play by play. Spencer Tillman is going to be the analyst for the eleven a.m. game on FS1 in East Lansing. This is a Spartans team that's really trying to find their way. Of course, a lot of drama that mm-hmm. hit that program earlier this year with allegations regarding uh, their previous head coach and Mel Tucker. He was fired uh, mid-season. Now they have uh, an interim coach that is yet to win a game. They've lost six in a row. Yep, six in a row. They won their first two, and then I think Harlan Mel- Barnett is the interim head coach, I believe. And did I hear Rule say is Coach D'Antonio, Mark D'Antonio, back he's with him? Is he helping yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anytime he's around, you know they're probably going to have a pretty salty defense, which I think is what Rule is uh, is expecting. They're pretty good at stopping the run. So again, it should be another good game. Again, usually you get about three points for being at home, um, but Nebraska is favored by three in this game, so you could say almost favored by a touchdown. We'll learn more about Michigan State as the week goes on, as we continue to evaluate the Spartans and learn a little bit more about them and conduct some of the player interviews uh, and then even watch some of the film ourselves. I do know, you know, quickly my evaluation of Michigan State. They are last among all Power 5 teams, averaging just 18 points per game. So that team is going up against Nebraska's defense, which is playing very well, specifically shutting down the run. So... As you just mentioned, the over-under number and how it's pretty low for Nebraska, that's probably a pretty large reason why. Mm-hmm. It's because Michigan State struggling offensively. They're going up against the Blackshirts unit that is playing, you know, arguably the best it has all season. Yeah, and best, I would say, in a couple of years. So, uh, again, uh, it's 11 a.m. kick, FS1. We'll obviously have more coverage of this matchup coming up throughout the week. Um, you don't have to have a subscription to watch that one, which... It was announced today, Maryland, next week, is going to be on Peacock, which I think we were waiting for what game was going to be on Peacock. It was either going to be probably this one or Maryland, and yeah, got to, got to get that subscription. Were you just assuming they would have a game on Peacock? I was, I mean, yes. Um, especially, you know, Big Ten West matchups are just not very very there, good TV draws been, right now. I think I was played on Peacock a couple of times already this year. Mm-hmm. So there have been Big Ten games on Peacock throughout the course of the season. Here's my question. Um, first off, 
Nebraska basketball is going to play on Peacock too. So for Husker mm-hmm. fans that are like, oh, I don't know about – like, know that if you get the subscription – and the university apparently has announced some plans to get discount on Peacock. I think there's a student, like a student discount. Okay. There might be an alumni one, too. I'm Got it. Again, this is that. all new. Just yeah. came out today and announced that Nebraska's Maryland game will be on Peacock, which is NBC's streaming service that requires a subscription mm-hmm. for those that aren't familiar with it. Um, that's the Maryland game. Basketball, I believe, has like four games on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a change in the way you consume Nebraska athletics. What would happen? Here's my question. What would happen if they put Nebraska volleyball on Peacock? Well, there would be a flock of subscribers. Again, I think I said last week, my parents have signed up for BTN Plus to watch these Husker volleyball games. I've considered doing it myself. The only reason I haven't yet is because we have a login here at the station that allows me to do it. If that's what they want to do, I don't think the numbers are going to be as high, but I think they're going to up their subscriptions. That that that'd be my point. Yeah, is that if you really want to increase, I is the Big Ten assigning games to Peacock, you know, to continue to build that subscription service? Is it continue to, um, you know, have a healthy partnership with NBC and its broadcast properties, or is it to help drive up subscription rates? I don't know if it is to drive up you would then pick a Nebraska volleyball match over a Nebraska football game. In my opinion, Yeah, you would get – look look at the television numbers for Nebraska volleyball this year. They've been outstanding. Yeah. And I would tend to believe that a lot of the people that watch Nebraska volleyball do not currently have Peacock subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Those that watch Nebraska football, I think there's a larger portion of that viewing audience that may already have pre-existing Peacock uh, logins. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of, I mean, 15, 20, I mean, probably even longer than that, when it's like, oh, the game's on TV, but it's on pay-per-view. Now you're going back a few years. I mean... When was the last time Nebraska had a game where you had to pay to see it? I, I know that, like, maybe... 2007, 2008-ish? My guess is going to be some sort of, like... Nebraska versus South Dakota State, like maybe Taylor Martinez's freshman year or right. sophomore year or something like that. Right. Like Bo Pelini era, mm. it was like when they used to play on like Fox Sports Midwest. Yes. But there would be an offshoot game, not games plural, just like one game that would somehow be on pay-per-view. But that, it wasn't like, that was just a one-game pay-per-view. That mm-hmm. wasn't a, we want your service. That was, yeah, you just had one, one-time cost, not a subscription. I, I'm very curious to go back and find out when was the last time Nebraska played on pay-per-view. It's been, it's been, I know it's been a minute. I, I really think it's probably been 15 years. Yeah. I'd, I'd be stunned if it was under 15 years. I just cannot remember it. Um, but the way of the world now with these with the streaming stuff. I mean, Lord knows how long it'll be before CBS starts putting stuff on you know Paramount Plus on CBS's streaming app and and all the rest of it. So I'm old school. Give me CBS. Mm-hmm. Give me NBC, ABC, Fox, FS1. <laughs> <I was, laughs> poor uh, Brandon Rector, meteorologist Brandon Rector. He had to come in to work on, well, he had to work on Saturday anyway. But he had to come in so he could watch his Wolfpack because they were playing on the CW. Oh, boy. Yeah, NC CW State, does ACC. NC State and Clemson on the CW. Clemson's a ranked team. They were. I mean, they're four and three before this weekend. They lost. Now they're four and four. Wow. So, 
Uh, yeah. So, okay, 11 a.m. kick on. College football is evolving even it in is. terms of the uh, way you watch. Yeah, I know. CW is where I used to watch Smallville way back when. Uh, remember Dawson's Creek? Oh, I remember Dawson's Creek. That's the only show I think I can tell you. Uh, no, Gilmore Girls? Was that CW? I think, yeah, I think that was, yeah. We need to stop the conversation now. <laughs> We're going to pivot Otherwise, really Otherwise, the man card might get revoked here. <laughs> to uh, Nebraska Volleyball, uh, who swept their way through the weekend, Maryland and Rutgers. This was their their first games with their new number one ranking. I think John Cook thought the team was maybe a little jittery, I think was the word he used in one of his post-match press conferences, maybe trying to live up to that number one ranking. But, again, they, jittery at times, but they won the weekend 6-0. to zero. And they look really good. The Devaney Center was not as charged up naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, John Cook challenged the crowd to bring the same energy of the Wisconsin game. Uh, and given the opponents, Maryland and Rutgers, neither one ranked. I still felt like, you know, having been at the Devaney Center both of those nights, uh, that the crowd was pretty into it. And uh, Lindsey Krause still not playing yet. She's dealing with that ankle injury. Uh, but the Huskers were humming right along. Good block. Uh, Maggie Mendelson really mm -hmm. got into the mix on Saturday night. Uh, she was playing in place of Becca Alec. And, um, yeah, I, th I thought Nebraska – Played pretty well. Continue to look like a national championship contender. Merritt Beeson, Ali Batenhorst, you know, mm -hmm. the usual cast and crew. Uh, doing, the, doing the job and doing the thing. And Nebraska's now at 21-0. and 0. Uh, ABC, a top 25, uh, still has Nebraska number one again. I know that poll's dropping Monday afternoon. Yep. Uh, still number one, 63 first place votes. Wisconsin still getting one first place vote. I'm assuming it's from the same pollster that Texas, gave Wisconsin. Texas Tech's head coach. Yep. I don't remember his name. but uh, So uh, Huskers are on a bit of an East Coast swing this week. Again, away from home. They're going to be at Penn State on Friday. Uh, that matches at 730 on Big Ten Network. Uh, and then they have Saturday off. And then they're at Rutgers, who they just played uh, on Sunday. And that is a noon match on BTN+. Plus. Uh, so, again, Penn State, obviously the, 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 the tougher of the two opponents there. But Nebraska's already swept Penn State. Uh, once this year, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. Mm -hmm. So uh, and then I wanted to ask you really quick because high school state volleyball starts this week. Uh, you are obviously very in tune to the high school volleyball scene. Is there anything specifically you're kind of watching closely this week or or uh, anticipating? Well, I just think the volleyball in high school volleyball in the state of Nebraska is just so so good mm -hmm. you know if you like volleyball and i know that there are folks out there you know across the state that just enjoy the sport you know pick a match and go and it doesn't have to be a class a match you can watch some of the lower classes i remember diller odell was playing in the class d2 state tournament a few years ago and the level of volleyball just blew my mind and they ended up having having i want to say three players go division one from the smallest class in Nebraska, um, so so go to go to Pinnacle Bank Arena. You know it's it's fun. There are good teams locally. I'm very excited about it because, you know, three Lincoln teams are in the Class A bracket: Lincoln Pius the tenth, Lincoln East, Lincoln Southwest. Go Bolts. Norris is the number one seed in Class B. That's the class to watch because, of course, you have your usual suspect, Omaha Scott. Norris is very good this year. Elkhorn. Uh, North, Elkhorn South. Uh, Elkhorn North has beaten Norris this year. In fact, uh, they played each other in the conference championship and then like three nights later, and they split the two. 
Um, so I think Class B is going to be insanely competitive. Uh, and then Lincoln Lutheran is the front runner in Class C too. We have a number of Lincoln teams that have a shot to make a run at a state championship. And I'm going to say Norris is, you know, just south of Lincoln. They're one of our key area teams. Seward's at state, Waverly's at state, a lot of local flavor. It's going to be a fun time starting on Wednesday. Just uh, get your ticket in the morning and then just sit and watch volleyball all day long. Or if you don't want to do it all day long, if that's too much, you know, go have dinner and then catch the Class A matches 5 and 7 on Wednesday. There you uh, go. Or you could do the afternoon session and then go, you know, whatever. There, there's going to be really good. The other team I would I would shout out, Bill, you know, because I've seen a ton of teams uh, uh all classes, all parts of the state. Kearney Catholic is really good. Uh, they have Heinrich Carberg sisters are on the team. Mm -hmm. They're very good. That's a team that when they get hot, you just watch the out. semis on the on the road and it's rolling. <laughs> so um, they, they've they just beat Minden, and that's Minden's only loss of the year. They beat Lincoln Lutheran. Uh, one of Lincoln Lutheran's two losses on the season. So Carney Catholic is a team that I I would suggest fans to go watch that. So that's a lot of a lot. I would, to summarize, <laughs> teams to watch: Norris, yep, Carney Catholic. Malcolm has Hallie Dolliver, who she leads the state in kills. A sophomore, very good. And then maybe check out those Lincoln teams. East, Pius, Southwest, Lincoln Lutheran. A lot of good volleyball to be played over the coming days, and we will obviously have a ton of coverage of uh, high school state volleyball here on 1011, so stay tuned for that. Last thing before we let everyone go, again, you mentioned it, but the exhibition uh, games, uh, Nebraska men and women's basketball, again, the exhibition games they did what they were supposed to. I think obviously the big takeaway from that was Kese Tominaga's ankle sprain. You, you see the video. It's floating around there. I think Chase posted it on, on his Twitter did not look like a uh, a, a nice injury. It no, looked pretty but rough. No, no, no crutches, no, no crutches, boot. No boot, yep. And so that is definitely a positive sign for Kese Tomonaga. You just hate for any injury uh, in an exhibition game. In fact, you know, Sunday night I was watching Illinois and Kansas, Kansas preseason number one team in the Associated Press poll. Um, they had a collision with about three minutes left in the game. Uh, Illinois had a player get a shot to – kind of like the backside of the ribs, and Kansas had a player who, I don't know if his head hit the floor, but they were looking at his neck and just don't like to see that in a preseason game. The actual season starts in a week. And, uh, you know, I'm a college basketball guy. I really love it and looking forward to the season. And I'm curious to see what Nebraska looks like at the start of the year because right now they have a number of guys who are not playing for a just variety, a of, variety reasons. of reasons, right? Are you going to be a voter in AP Top 25 again this that year? That is correct, yeah. I've already submitted my preseason Top 25, and um, it was a part of that. I had Kansas number one. That will be super. Uh, you obviously did that last year, and, again, I always kind of followed your, 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 your rhymes and reasons as to why you were voting the way you were voting. So that will be cool again this year uh, to do it. And maybe, who knows, maybe at some point this year you'll get to vote uh, Nebraska. As a top twenty-five team. Well, we'll have to see. They've yeah. got some work. <laughs> just, just don't come at me if I don't rank Providence. All right. Was I hear enough team? about that. So for the preseason poll, I'm sorry, I don't have Providence in my top twenty-five. <laughs> well, the Providence fans will be very upset. But oh man, I, I are they a loud but vocal minority? That is correct. <laughs> well, I'm sure we will discuss your your ballots. Uh, I'm creating number eight. And that's where they hit in the preseason poll. All right. I think Creighton's going to be pretty good this year coming yeah. off the trip to – Final Four. Uh, didn't make the Final Four, just shy. They were oh, in the Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. 
Um, man, they had that they had that game against SDSU, but they did not make it to the Final Four. I think that they're uh, they're the real deal. I think they're going to make a run this year. Um, but I start with Kansas uh, Creighton, ex- Creighton, excuse me, at number eight. And Nebraska hosts Creighton this year. That is Sunday, December third, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Maybe back-to-back wins against Creighton, back-to-back years. That'll be something to watch. Uh, again, talked about a lot today, Kevin. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, again, well, like we mentioned, uh, again, we'll have continuing coverage as Huskers prep for Michigan State throughout the week. High school state volleyball, all of it. Again, so make sure you keep tuned to ten eleven, both on air and online for all of your latest news, weather, and sports. Thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.